0: Welcome to the Brew Crew Review
1: Podcast, the show by fans, for fans of your Milwaukee Brew. All right, Brewer fans, welcome to the Brew Crew Review Podcast. This is Craig, and what joining me today is Vince and Scott. How are you guys doing? Doing great, Craig. Hey, Scotty. Chad, happy birthday this week, buddy. (laughs) <laughs> so the first half has ended it's uh, we're taping this during the all-star break and the brewers are still in the first place in the nl central so could not ask for too much more however um they did lose the last three games coming to break and only have a half game lead over the cardinals but uh hopefully the second half brings even better things for the milwaukee brewers uh but today we're going to focus on the brewers recent draft picks um especially their first couple rounds that they did on day one we're going to talk about uh those players so um yeah so let's i guess let's just jump right in we're also going to talk a little bit about uh our thoughts on the first half and also a little bit more about uh the current all-star setup and and such with the draft so all right well the brewers did have the 27th overall pick in the first round obviously that's that's lower than I can remember the Brewers picking in quite some time. Um, you um obviously the Brewers Brewer fans for the first um 15 years or so of, of Miller Park were kind of used to us picking a lot of the top 10 picks, top five picks and stuff like that. And that's how we kind of built some of our good teams, but uh not not any longer. The Brewers have made the playoffs four straight years and hoping for five. So it comes with the territory. So 27th overall. The Brewers selected um, Eric Brown, Jr., a shortstop from Coastal Carolina. Um, so we'll go over him in a little, a little bit. Uh, they also, on day one, selected in the second round, Jacob Mizrowski, a right-handed pitcher from Crowder College of Missouri. So we'll talk a little bit about him as well. And uh, another interesting pick, their competitive balance pick after the second round. Um, they picked Robert Moore, son of rails, former GM Dayton Moore. He's a shortstop slash second baseman from the university of Arkansas. Um, and so that, that's an interesting pick as well. So, um, yeah, we'll talk a little about, a little bit about, them before, before we do, let me go over the rest of our top 10, 10 round picks real quick. Um, in the fourth round, we did pick uh, the, we actually were selected, I know Doug Mellon's no longer and Gord Ash are around, but apparently we still focus on the country of Canada because we were the first, we picked the first Canadian in this entire MLB draft in the fourth round with Dylan Oray from, um, it's a shortstop from Northern Collegiate in, in uh, Ontario, Canada. So that's interesting. Um, and Craig, if, do you remember getting that ticket in Canada back in uh, 06, I think it was Niagara Falls. Yeah, I remember that. I did not know if that was all boot, uh,
2: <laughs> but uh, yeah,
1: that did happen. So, um, our our fourth round pick was Matthew Wood uh, from Penn State, catcher, left left-handed batting, right-hand throwing catcher. Um, fifth round was Will Rudy, a right-handed pitcher from. Cal Poly Pomona, and then sixth round, Tyler Wozner from uh, Central Arizona College, another right-handed pitcher. And let's see, seventh round was Ben Metzinger, third base, right-handed third baseman from Louisville. Um, and then Nate Peterson, and we drafted another left-handed pitcher. Uh, University of Illinois at Chicago. Interesting senior college pick there. And then, let's see, we've got the next round, we took Tayden Hall from State College of Florida Manatee. He is a catcher also, a left-handed catcher. So two catchers in the first uh, 10 rounds of this draft. And also another pitcher, um, left-handed pitcher, Brian Fitzpatrick from Rutgers um, College. He's a Pretty big dude, uh, 6'7", 230 pounds. So those were our first 10-round picks. The actual Brewers will be wrapping up the rest of the draft, and you guys can check those out online, of course. So I guess let's start by just talking about our first-rounder, Eric Brown, 5'10", 190 pounds. Scouting report says that he has excellent plate disciplines, got some power, got some speed. Pretty solid defensively, even though what I've read online is most likely his home would probably settle on it as a second baseman at the major league level if he makes it that far. Um, He's got an interesting pre-bat wiggle, so to speak. Uh, uh, I've actually heard his (laughs) stance actually was compared more to Julio Franco, Franco, who's the not quite that extreme but um it's a little bit it's kind of almost to me a combination of gary sheffields and Julio francos so both former both former brewers Craig. that's pretty yeah so uh, that, just to give brewer fans a frame of reference on on what they're we're looking at so you can look at some footage online of him. but yeah what was your overall thoughts on uh on that pick guys
0: i i guess i'll just say really quick that um i am a fan of the Brewers taking college players. And it's not that we couldn't find some some great players that come out of the high school ranks, but I do like the fact that, you know, this, this man or this group uh, of executives at the top of the Brewers organization uh, are kind of looking at college bats. I think that that's, um, you know, kind of equivalent for, for a guy that played at that level, I think that that's equivalent to, to high A to double A even uh, when you're at a very competitive college program. So to me, that's, you know, it's exciting that you're going to get a guy with that extra tutelage uh, under his belt, that extra experience. And, you know, he, he's a guy who survived a couple of years uh, in a program like that. That that to me is a very good sign for uh, for, for, him uh, generally as he pro- progresses through the brewer system as well. So uh, I'll just say that as an overall thing. I know that there were a number of years where the brewers kind of Almost shied away from some of the college players, probably because they may have even, you know, cost too much money in terms of signing bonuses. And I know that that system has changed a lot in the last, you know, 10, 15 years, but um, I'll just say that is kind of an overall assessment. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of my initial take on things. I one, one thing that did surprise me, I guess, really quick is the fact that he's a shortstop. I think that that shows that the Brewers are continuing with the philosophy of drafting what they view as the best player available, uh, regardless of the position. Um, obviously, we've got a uh, major league shortstop in Willie Damas. We've got another shortstop in the system in Bryce Tarang, who's very highly rated. So um, you know, we do have a lot of, of depth at that position, particularly. Um, so that that I guess was kind of interesting. But I, I think it does kind of double down on an overall organizational trend of of drafting the best player available.
2: Yeah. Um yeah, that was a really good assessment there, Vince. I actually did some research of my own. Um, I wanted to make sure, first of all, that Eric Brown was in no relation to um, our former co-worker at, at the Milwaukee Brewers, Gary Brown. Um, apparently, <laughs> apparently he is not related to downtown Gary Brown, which is actually kind of a positive. Um, but we
1: missed it, Gary. Um, anyway, um what about I, our what about our former coworker Miss Brown?
2: Um, either oh, I hope geez, I didn't even check. We're probably gonna have to check that.
1: Let's
0: just hope not. God, not right, well. God, you still talk to we'll her? You can the, ask. <laughs>
2: yeah, we'll get the fact checkers out on that one. We'll see how it's going. We'll see. I don't know. Maybe we can Is get for to check it that out.
0: Actually, why don't you just cool. have your interns do it? But that might be one and the same. <laughs> 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 yeah. <thanks.
2: laughs> Um, No, but so Eric Brown, he has a lot of things that I really like. Now I always say that the things that you can't really teach is speed. Um, It's pretty hard to teach, um, like to get people to be a little bit more like patient and selective at the plate. Like a lot of people, like if they just see a a pitch and they think it's a strike, they're swinging, and you know winds up being out of the zone. So it's a little bit hard to teach that. But I do like that um, him as well as a couple other players we drafted have a really good. Um, a really good, like, basically just a good eye. You know, they're they're taking pitches, they're, they're drawing walks, they're working the count, all great things. Um, the and he, and he is fast, too. So, obviously, speed, can't teach it. It's a great, great tool. Um, I like the athleticism. I hope he can stick it short. Um, but I guess the only other thing that... Yes, yeah, it is an unorthodox batting. I guess I don't know stance and everything, yeah. and it drives me nuts. Um, ever since, ever since Jeff Jenkins, I don't want to see any more hitters with a high leg kick. And when the pitch is coming in, they still haven't put down their their lead foot. I just I I don't like it. I think it's too hard to get your timing thrown off. This one in particular is very weird though because Eric Brown he when the pitch comes in, like as, as the is winding up, the barrel of, of the bat is in front of his face, basically. And he pulls it back around behind him, lifts up his leg and then swings. Don't get me wrong. You can't, if you look at it, you're going to think it's crazy, but then you're going to see a line drive come off his bat and be like, okay, well, who the hell cares how he does it. But there's too many things mechanically that can go wrong. And I, I hope that a lot of that stuff either gets whittled down or, Um, Or just eliminated from his his whole pre swing stance or whatever. I I don't know. It drove me nuts. But hopefully, hey, he's doing it so far, right? He has good results.
1: Yeah, and I mean, the Brewers do have a current manager who would probably never put up with that type of stance Uh, anyway. um, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he was he. It's not like he had any success (laughs) at the major league level with it. well, yeah, no, I agree with you, Scott. Like it's a little bit, and again, it's one of those things where everyone can be like, well, look at his production in college and whatever, like it, it works. And, and it does, that like, is a case in time. The other guy that comes to mind on another team recently that like, I hated his stance and I don't know how the hell he hit major league baseball pitching, but that was Hunter Pence. Yeah. Um,
2: <laughs> I, like oh, yeah, I just, for
1: sure, for I'm sure. just like, how is this guy a major leaguer? But, and, and so it somehow worked and I'm hoping maybe he falls in that category, but what does sometimes happen is, I mean, if they keep that same stance, once you get all the way to the majors, like the timing is everything. I mean, if you're if you're even costing yourself a fraction of a second because of your stance, you're going to be at the mercy of major league pitching. That's just the bottom line. So um, we'll see. But uh, so I, I'm, and that's probably one of the reasons he got he, you know, was not higher rated. I know that. I looked at baseball America's best tools in this draft and he was rated as the for out of college, the fourth best batting eye, so to speak, or plate des- discipline. So I thought that was pretty encouraging. Good. The, the three guys ahead of them all were rated to go in the top 10 picks. So I thought that, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to bet on one tool, I, I do like the hit tool and the bat and the, you know, plate discipline. However, yeah, we'll see. Um, overall, he's just a pretty well-rounded player and I think somewhat, safe-ish uh, but again not a not a super high ceiling and me personally my drafting philosophy is I, I usually would prefer drafting higher ceiling players even if they are at high school first round in particular or the first couple rounds but I do agree with, with Vince's point that you know targeting college hitter uh, hitters and pitchers it, it does have its advantage and obviously that's it's been believe it or not 20 years since the money ball era even started and that's kind of Started that's that philosophy and i think it, it pretty much holds true it has been holding true so um yeah I, I think it was a solid pick but wasn't too upset about it but i mean wasn't he wasn't a personal favorite of mine i, I guess i'll say that so our second round pick jacob for, for for what it's worth quickly on the i don't think that
0: it's the exact comp but you know hunter pence did have a 14-year big league career was a four-time all-star i mean so you know we're we're, we're talking oh, yeah, okay. about maybe a take type that, that doesn't work if that if that's the comp that it ends up being like I'd, I'd be all for it obviously different positions but
1: yeah and some people the scouts are on the fence whether or not he will be able to stick a short or whether or not he will he will play second base but i think he'll stay up the middle in some fashion um obviously yeah. he's not being more valuable but um okay so jacob Mizrowski is someone who i'm pretty intrigued by i was very happy with that pick he's six seven 190 pounds which means he's pretty thin and he's got room to fill out um, given that he's only um, just turned 20 years old a couple months ago. So uh, from a junior college, Crowder Child in Missouri, uh, I mean, the guy throws almost, I think he can throw a hundred miles an hour. and He's got some good secondary pitchers. I really think that he was a steal where they got him in the second round. So I'm pretty excited about, about him. I guess so uh, we'll talk about the second and our second and third round pick kind of together. And that's of course, we already mentioned Dave Moore's son, Robert Moore. He's also has a nickname, big game, Bob. Um, <laughs> now he was uh, a second baseman for Arkansas, but I actually think that oddly enough, he profiles as a shortstop at the major league level. Um, in my opinion, I, I, so again, he could probably fit second or shortstop. Um, and so, I, ironically, I think if I had to bet money, Eric Brown, if he makes the majors, he'll be a second baseman. And if, if Robert Moore makes the majors, he'll probably be a shortstop. But, uh, you know, I guess we'll see how this develops. Um, but he's f- five, nine, 170 pounds. Um, so, again, he's a, he's a little guy. Um, but he ha- had a really good track record of hitting at arkansas prior to this year this year his numbers really fell off but he did have i think 16 home runs um during his his previous season for arkansas and he actually came in to the season as a potential top half of the first round pick so for the brewers to get him as a comp pick after the second round i think could be a steal obviously um he's had a down year and i think a lot of people believe that he's kind of like a baseball rat so to speak obviously being a son of a former gm uh, I just, I, I think he's, he's a really, I think he's, he's really a solid pick and I, I'm really excited hey, for, that, for that one. So Craig, 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 did our minor league analyst, uh, Brandon give you any indicators
0: in your pre-production meetings with him about why his production fell off a little bit here this season?
1: Well, again, it was, a he thinks it's a number of mitigating fast factors, but, um, I mean, it's just one of those things where, as you see, even at the Major League Baseball level, a lot of guys hitting is down. Um, and, and obviously, the, the major, at the Major League level, people are blaming that and rightfully so probably on the changes in the, in the Major League Baseball. And that that's not happening in college. So uh, that's not a legitimate excuse. But uh, I mean, I think it's just one of those things where you started off in a slump and never kind of got out of it um so again that's why he got pushed down the boards and a lot of people passed on him including <laughs> uh his father who's still executive with the royals and they passed on him twice so um that might be a telltale sign right there with that being said and i know scott likes this comp but he does kind of profile as a little bit better player than david Eckstein, but that same mentality and and maybe more of a skill set of like tommy Edman, fortunately of the cardinals where he, where he, as he is right now, he's playing shortstop every day for the Cardinals, doing a fairly good job, and I think Robert Moore would be able to do that as well.
0: A gritty, uh, a gritty scrapper, so to speak.
2: Yep, absolutely. He can. I don't know. I there aren't many Cardinals that I actually care for, like that I would want to be on the Brewers, but. Um. Tommy Edmond is, believe it or not, one of them. Just because, I don't know, I've always had an affinity for second baseman that, like, do all the little things, and um, I don't know. So, we'll <laughs> what, see. What about, what about the rest of their infield? Because I
0: would really like Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. My yeah, team
2: no, Goldschmidt and Arenado, that would be wonderful. <laughs> so of course,
0: like no, don't field. get me
2: wrong. Uh, the, top, the Cardinals probably have four hitters in their starting nine that are better than anyone on our team. That's great, yeah. But, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but Tommy Edmond is like, you look at Goldsmith, you look at Arenado and you're like, these guys are going to mash. And then like, you look at little Tommy Edmond out there and he, you know, I mean, it's, it's almost like, you know, you picture like your Vina's or your Jim Gannon kind of like, you know, those second baseman that just scrap it up. So you, you gotta love it. So hopefully, hopefully it works out. Yeah. And not only that, but he's a leader in the clubhouse, uh, supposedly like, so. Um, I you can never have well, I guess you can have too much leadership, but it's pretty rare. So I don't know. I, I I hope it works out for him. I hope it's a good pick.
1: He was known for his clutch hitting for the Razorbacks prior to this year as well. Um, and that's how he got that nickname, Big Game Bob or whatever. So, I mean, I I just think he's a fascinating player, and I think that if he rounds back into his previous form, like it could really turn out to be a steal at that pick for the Brewers and again if fans are looking for um more of a former brewer comp I would say it's not too far off from scooter Jeanette maybe but uh with a little bit more upside within uh, in my opinion all the way around
2: scotty Fletcher no I'm just kidding
1: <laughs> <laughs> well i I will say this
0: too I mean that is not a uh, shabby college baseball program at the University of arkansas that is it's, it's quite a good program in and of itself and they play very stiff competition throughout the season. so um, you know certainly certainly I think that that was probably a good experience for him.
1: Yeah, and then uh, circling back to Jacob Mizorowski, our s- second round pick, again, 6, 790 pounds, you've got to think that he's going to put on, uh, again, he's only 20 years old in the next couple of years as he makes it through the Meyer League, assuming he signs he's going to put on a good 20 to 40 more pounds onto his frame, which if he's throwing hundred miles an hour now uh, and he's got good secondaries or whatever, I mean, this, this guy could be something of, of a workout workhorse starter. Sometimes the height for starting pitchers, if it gets too much above six, five, in my opinion, can sometimes, um, you know, be problematic for repeating of mechanics and whatnot. In, in the pitching term so to speak so there's some concern there obviously but i i think that he, he's i think that's a tremendous pick and i'm pretty excited to have him in our system hopefully
2: yeah definitely i mean if he like you said if he's throwing 100 now i honestly when i read the scouting report on him and it said oh yeah he hits 100 miles an hour i'm like that's all i needed to see or yeah that's perfect and uh believe it or not um Tom Carter didn't think that he was going to actually fall all the way to us, and uh, he was okay. really excited that he kind of fell into our lap. He thought it was a great pick. So,
0: yeah, and, is, you know, it,
2: that's high praise from Tom Carter. By, so, by,
0: by Tom Carter, do you mean our anonymous source, Tom Carter, where you got that
2: yeah, information? Yeah, he is, you know?
0: Okay. Yeah, I know
1: Tom Carter. Yeah, so that's good. <laughs> high praise. He, he asked us just to use the information. He's, he said that we don't have to mention him at all. In fact, he asked us not to, in fact, and we don't have to say anonymous. We don't have to just don't even say anything. He just said, whatever information he gives us, we can even pretend it's like our own or whatever. We don't even need to give him credit. In fact, um, but uh, he definitely doesn't want to oh. say his name. So we'll, we will make a note of that for future podcasts. Um, he doesn't want to get... Wait, I got a quick did you question. you say
0: anonymous in front of his name or
1: after his name, like Tom Carter
2: anonymous? Yeah, you did. Actually, you... I, are you guys saying unanimous or anonymous? I think it's
0: Tom Carter unanimous at this point. I mean, he is a, a unanimous.
2: Team. fan favorite. But if we were supposed to, if we were supposed to be keeping him anonymous, then I feel like we just, I just, it was just a simple miscommunication. <laughs>
0: <So> <laughs> I feel like yeah, it's gotta the be the first good. I've heard oh. of it. Well, you win some, you lose some, guys. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Neither here nor there. <laughs> Yep. I mean, We're so here. just to, just to
1: put this, put this maybe the batter to to beat the horse, the dead horse the last time. It, it we all are going to agree that Tom Carter, Carter is unanimous, and I, I think we'll just leave it at that. As long as we don't, <laughs> okay.
2: He's unanimously so. awesome.
1: Sounds like all four of us think so. Yep. All right. So um, again, the Brewers farm system, I get um got a good shot in the arm for this draft and i think we're excited and it'll be interesting to see what prospects the brewers may be willing to, to part via trade here in the next couple of weeks is this year's trade deadlining will actually actually falls on august 2nd as agreed upon by major league baseball and the players union which is a couple days later than normal um and so yeah that should be very interesting and, and i do expect the brewers to be fairly active as obviously we're in first place right now, so I mean, if Greg, given your lack really of anger on the,
0: yeah, given your lack of anger on draft day, do you think that you're going to be double angry on the trade deadline day, or how do you think that's? Gonna yeah. work? I've been, we've been, we've been kind of monitoring your anger levels, uh, uh, over the course of you know over a decade and a half, almost two decades, actually two decades at this point, point. and uh, this is very unusual that you're not more upset after draft day.
1: Well, yeah. So I guess part of it, I've been bringing my expectations on the Brewers drafting. I've been tempering my expectations on the Brewers trade acquisitions or trade activity. I've been tempering my expectations overall on the Brewers, um, seasons and also been tempering my expectations on pretty much a a lot of aspects of life. And it's been kind of helping me out, but, um, not terribly inspiring, but uh, yeah, I've been just tempering stuff. So, working out.
2: You'd think with all the recent, like, Brewers playoff losses that we've had in the last four years, you would think that that would make you a little bit more angry, but it doesn't seem to be that way. So, yeah, I commend you for that.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, sometimes just got to be happy to be there and be alive, just survive the pandemic and. And like I don't know, like forty-five years of terrible bit for baseball. So I mean, gotta gotta be happy for to still be here. The fact that there's still baseball in Milwaukee and there's still that I'm still alive, that's all I need to really be happy for. So I guess. But uh, and of course to have great friends like you guys, uh, obviously. So
2: yeah. Oh, wow. Oh, thanks,
1: Craig. Wow, that was
2: nice. Jeez, I was gonna make fun of you seen all that sappy stuff, but now I can't.
0: Yeah, I was going to make a Mensch joke, but uh, it looks like – and that's Kevin Mensch for the record, but, yeah.
1: It, it's, um, okay. So, yeah, the therapy's going well, guys, so thank you for recommending that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, on to the our first half Brewers recap. Um, I guess, what what are your just overall thoughts of, you know, obviously the expectations coming in the year where the Brewers were going to be able to contend and really be the team to beat in the NL Central, which I guess has proven to be accurate. However, there's been some shortcomings in the health department and also in the bounce back of star, I guess, department uh, and, and a bunch of other things. But uh, just overall, uh, what is what not to say that you have to grade the first half, but what's your overall thoughts on the first half? And maybe Scott, do you want to start off?
2: Yes, but this is a very difficult question, Craig, because if you, here's the thing, if you compared it with the other 50 Brewer seasons, you would say, like, the Brewers have uh, I forget how many wins we have now, damn it. Um, But you would probably look and and figure out that, like, this is a highly successful team compared to those other 50 Brewer teams. And therefore, you would say, obviously, it's an A, right? Except Everyone came into this season thinking, hopefully we were going to, you know, if we get past the Cardinals, you know, especially if they falter, we can run away with the division and, you know, then come playoffs, let's see what happens. Uh, Now, it looks like that geriatric Cardinals team with Pools and Molina in their swan song. It looks like that they're probably going to be fighting us to the end here. And I hate to say it, but. Um, when it comes to making like key acquisitions, the Cardinals certainly tend to do it better than the Brewers. And it makes me wonder if they're going to be doing more at the trade deadline than we are, because I don't think we might make several moves, but I don't think any of them are going to be anything off the charts by any means. And I don't know, are the Cardinals just going to acquire another all-star or something like that? Like, it wouldn't surprise me at all. So, I'm a little nervous. We'll see how it goes.
0: Yeah, Scott, I, I share that nervousness about the deadline. I, I think we talked about it on one of our previous episodes, but I really have not been impressed with uh, David Stearns as a deadline GM. i very impressed them overall in getting our, our team, you know, in contention every single year going into the season. But – um, outside of 2018, his deadline acquisitions have really uh, kind of failed to wow me. I, I think that in 2018, that was the year where we um, missed on Jonathan Scope, but we 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 hit big on Mike Moustakas and got a couple of key bullpen pieces in Joaquim Soria and Xavier Cedeno and um, a great bench piece in Curtis Granderson, and we kind of went all in uh, that year. Other seasons besides 2018, I just don't see him. Being willing to make a big enough splash to make a huge difference, um, and I unfortunately think that he is likely to follow that same course um, this season. And I hope to be, I hope to be pleasantly surprised, but I don't think that that's going to be the case. Obviously, you know, just looking at our first half, I think that the Brewers um, we're obviously missing some guys. Obviously, missing Freddie Peralta from the rotation uh, is going to hurt. Brandon Woodruff missed you know a significant amount of time. I'm glad that he's back now. Um, but he had, he had several injuries, including Reynolds uh, syndrome uh, to deal with. So that obviously has cost uh, the Brewers, I think, a little bit. Um, the rotation depth has certainly been challenged and thrown into question. So, you know, we're, we're, we've been, I don't think anyone predicted that we'd be seeing the likes of Jason Alexander, who has uh, since been sent down. But Jason, guys like Jason Alexander taking not only a spot start here and there, but significant time in the starting rotation or, um, you know, even, even guys like, uh, Ethan small getting a start or Chichi Gonzalez. I mean, we've had, we've had guys making starts, that I think nobody would have necessarily predicted going into the year. So, um, we'll give credit to the Brewers, uh, for having the depth to not only stay in contention, but be in first place here at the all-star break. So that's certainly a good thing. Um, whether this team is good enough to make the playoffs, I, I think that we are, I don't think that as it stands unfortunately i don't think we're much better than last year's team that was eliminated in the first round of the playoffs um but that's mostly because of our offense so i'm going to attribute this partially to injuries but um i think since we've said it day one i i don't think that hunter renfro is a, at all a disappointment in fact i'm very happy with him but i i think that he just slightly moved the needle ahead of where avi garcia was last season so i don't think it's a huge upgrade i i still think that um, you know, outside of McCutcheon, we still haven't fully upgraded our offense. We're really a bad away, at least one bad away from, um, being offensively good enough to, to do anything in October. Um, unless we manage to, you know, kind of weirdly get hot at the right time. So there's always that chance, but, um, you know, if I'm David Stearns, I'm, I'm really looking at ways to upgrade this offense. I just don't know who's going to be out there that the brewers are going to be willing to pay for at this point.
1: Yeah, so the first half, it pretty much played out how we expected, except for the, obviously, we're losing Freddie Peralta for several months and even Woodruff for a good chunk of time. I think we felt the pain of that. Um, Aaron Ashby, I think, was expected to take on a lot of innings this year, and he's not been doing that well. He's been going through a lot of young growing pains for a pitcher, uh, so unfortunately the Brewers have had to, to weather that. And like you guys mentioned, we've been, I mean, throwing having to bring up guys like Jason Alexander, Chi Gonzalez and kind of really showed that we thought we came into the year with six really good pitchers and therefore had some nice depth, but it really proved to not have enough quality depth or, which is that all the adage, you can never have enough pitching, especially starting pitching. And that proved to be true. Once again, I think that's, one of the reasons why we don't have a a larger lead in first place uh, at at the, at the all-star break, but the biggest culprit, as you guys mentioned, we knew after last season that we definitely had to fix this offense. And I think our philosophy was, well, the best way to fix the offense is to get Christian Yelich back to being almost Christian Yelich of old. And we need Kesson Hira to come through and be an everyday player and show some of his potential and uh we need Andrew McCutcheon to uh, be a really good veteran when maybe return to a little bit of his former glory too. I don't think that combination of any of those things have happened enough. Uh and like you said, some of the other moves, like you know, losing Garcia and getting Renfro was not really moving the needle, but just plugging the whole same hole that was created. So I mean, in reality, um, some guys are having nice years. I think Willie Damas. Has been exceeding expectations for me again this year uh he's been a hell of a player both seasons since we've acquired him and so i think and obviously rowdy tellez i think has been a first half highlight uh on a personal level i mean getting everyday at bats kind of for the first time in his career and he's really flourished under that um so there are some positive and then once uh Luis urias got healthy i think he's really shown to be a solid player and our catching tandems uh, have been awesome, too. Victor Carantina I would say, is a great first-half surprise. Um, with that being said, and we mentioned this part of the pitching, I guess our, our overall depth, and I just mentioned, that the starting pitching seemed to be really poor, and I think that may, needs to be addressed even going forward for this season. Um, but um, our non-Josh Hader, Devin Williams, bullpen arms, especially the other end of the bullpen, Hasn't been tremendously great, I guess. Colby Milner has been pretty good, but I mean, overall, I mean, just, I I don't think our bullpen is very strong, but I do think that's something we can, we can and will probably address at the trade deadline. So um, lots of work to be done. If this was, if this, obviously as a Brewer fan, you've got to step back, look at the overall team at, even at the break being in first place, is this really a team that can make a deep world series run? Unfortunately, you almost have to say, no, this doesn't seem to be our year to go all in. But with that being said, I'm sure Braves fans were thinking the same thing last year at this time, and they ended up winning the World Series. So it's like one of those times where, you know, if you've got an opportunity to be in the MLB playoffs, even with the expansion of a couple more teams this season, you've got to seize hold of that opportunity. I mean, the Brewers went many, many many years uh, uh, without ever even making the playoffs. And we all remember those years. So, so every opportunity could be a golden one. And I, I don't think the Brewers should pass up on this one. I think we're all in agreement on that. So we yeah. got, we got yep. for some further rebounding from Yelich in particular. And I think he, when, once he got moved to the leadoff role, I think that he has come around overall and had a nice month and McCutcheon had a really nice month of June as well. Um, so I, I think that those guys will be fine moving forward. With that being said, we're really just lacking that superstar bat in the middle of the lineup that we had for so many years and Ryan Braun, and then immediately proceeding, but with uh, – um, or followed by Kristen Yelich. I mean, it's been a really long time since the Birds did not have an impact bat or even two in the middle of the lineup, and it just feels like we have none. And I, and, I mean, if you look at our, you know, division rivals, the Cardinals, I mean, Paul Goldsmith, who I would have thought – his MVP MVP days are probably, you know, just past him. That is not the case. In fact, I think going in the all-star break, he's probably would would be named NL MVP at this point. And Christian Nellage is a far shell of his former NL MVP self, unfortunately. So I think that's maybe the only difference between the Cardinals and us um, um when it comes to the to, to the offense. Uh and obviously or Arenado is nothing to sneeze at either. So I mean, yeah. So I guess it, it, my optimism stays strong, but I, I am concerned. I, I think we, we need Woodruff to be Woodruff again, and he's looked great since he came back from injury, and we need Frey Peralta back with a good nice month of the regular season to put under his belt and to help get us in the playoffs. And then I think if we have our big three and the back of our bullpen and – adding a couple pieces all around, including the offense. I think we can definitely be competitive um, during the playoffs and anything that happen once we get there.
0: Well, that and that's for sure. And that's been borne out too, Craig. I mean, your Braves example, obviously from 2021 is a, is a great example. I think the nationals in 2019, they certainly um, were not a team that anyone would have predicted to be world champions sitting there watching them and, May, June, or heck, even July. I mean, they went on a run in the second half for a little while and got hot at the right time for sure. But, you know, nobody would have predicted them to be world champions when, um, you know, over the first couple of months of the season So, or or even at the All-Star break. So, yeah, to your point, yes, anything can definitely happen. Um, You know, my my concern is is that those teams did have a superstar. uh, Braves had Freddie Freeman uh, and and others. Um, You know, the Nationals had Juan Soto and – and others, uh, Trey Turner. And I I don't know that the Brewers have that offensive depth that those teams did. So I think that our pitching may be good enough to to really put us in that position to succeed in October. I just, I I worry that inactivity on the part of our front office um, at this deadline in terms of upgrading our offense is could definitely cost us from October, you know, and I, I hope I hope that we're not getting content with just hanging these, you know, participation postseason banners in the, you know, outfield at AmFam field. Um, I I want us to start really looking at ways that we can win a world championship, but it's not a pot shot at, at ownership or, you know, at at David Stearns or or Matt Arnold. It's just, you know, I, 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 I get that point about anything can happen in the playoffs. I just think that you can obviously make, your chances better uh, by doing a couple things, and you know, if we need to trade prospects to do that, um, I would be all for it if it meant truly upgrading our offense at this point.
2: Yeah, yeah, I, I don't know what else I can really add to that because it's definitely my sentiments, and I think it's the overwhelming sentiment of uh, Brewer fans. I just think that everyone thinks that people from Wisconsin are this like, you know, this jovial folk that, you know, just, you know, we're just happy to watch sports or whatever. Like, no, like Wisconsin fans in, just in general are like are huge, huge sports fans, like some of the best in the U S really. And I, I, I think that people think just cause we're all smiles and like to laugh and all that, that we're uh we're, you know, just totally fine, just making the playoffs. You know, we should be thrilled with that. We haven't done that very often. But no, this is a rabid fan base, and I think that they're very, very hungry. We're we're ready for championship. I mean, the city of Milwaukee finally got one when the Bucks won after yep. such a long drought. And yep. I think that um, it's time for it's time for the Brewers to step up.
0: Yeah, I think we, right. I totally, totally agree, Scott. Totally, totally agree about your assessment of Wisconsin sports. And you know, as Wisconsinites, uh, you know, growing up, we've we've been fortunate that you know we've seen that at least the Packers have brought some state championships, or you know, to Wisconsin, and the Bucks have done that. And you know, it really is time for the Brewers to step up and kind of take their their spot on the stage, so to speak, as well, and and do the same. and you know, we all remember the ceiling years and how many years we did not have playoff baseball. And I, you know, I grant that it's exciting that we're in contention year after year. and That's awesome. And, and it really is special, but it's time that we do take that next step. I mean, it just, mediocrity is not going to create those memories that are necessary in order for a fan base to really, I, well, I shouldn't say the fan base isn't in question, but I, I, we just have to get past that stage of mediocrity. And I think that that is something that has to happen in this window that we're in right now where we have Josh Hader in contract and we have Brandon Woodruff and we have Corbin Burns, you know, all these guys that are part of this, this wave, this is a unique group. And I do think that they are part of what could be core elements of a championship team with a couple additions, you know, and to be at the cusp, but not to not go for it. I think it's crazy.
1: Yeah. I, like, I agree that, that this, the one philosophy that's different between like the Doug Melvin regime where um, when we had, when we were in position to make the playoffs and, and to, you know, solidify us during the playoff run, we really pushed our chips to the middle of the table. Obviously when we got, I mean, literally when we got CC, said, we're going to go for it. <laughs> that was pretty exciting for Burfan. And the same thing when we went to get Granky. um, and other pieces like that. So this, not saying that this regime has not done that, but over the four years that we have made the playoffs, there has not been like that impact player that's been acquired to help us put, you know, going. so it almost seems like they're they're wanting to keep a really good farm system and not, you know, hold tight to those pieces, small market team, which is of course smart generally, but when you've got this window especially a window that's starting to, I don't want to say it's starting to close, but it's not fully, fully open anymore. So to speak, and like you said, mentioning that Burns, Woodruff and Hader are all, you know, the, the control team control is starting to dwindle on those guys. I think it's very imperative that we push all our cards in the middle of the table at some point during that run. Um, and again, so it, it's going to take a hit to our farm system, but I think that's its uh, it, that's what it's for. That's, And so I think that we have to be willing to, try to acquire especially on the offensive side some type of controllable player that that is a a borderline superstar by basically almost cleaning out the farm so to speak and 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 just you know pushing all and, and it might not be this year but if not probably next year it would be the year to try to do something like that but um but we'll see so i'm not expecting a major acquisition this trade deadline but I want to stay optimistic that the Brewers will, we'll, you know, try to add a couple of key pieces that could make it make a difference, or even spark the guys on the current team to, you know, improve their performance all all the way around. So, uh, I guess that's all you can hope for as a, as a fan of a, of a major league baseball team. So, um, I know this podcast run a little long, but I wanted to get to one other really opinionated uh, type subject, and that's just the all. St- obviously we're, we're taping this on the during while well, the home run derby is going on just before the eve of the all-star game this year um but what i wanted to ask you guys the major to me the major league all-star game has always kind of been a special time of year and as a baseball fan you look forward to that and i remember being a, a younger baseball fan always really looking forward to watching not only the home run derby but also, the all star game itself, and especially, I always love the rule that what each and every team gets at least one representative. I think that was really important to keep all these fan bases active uh, and interested in the all star game. Um, however, if you look at the all star games in other major sports or all pro games, you are going talk like the NFL's all pro or pro bowl has been an absolute disaster to the point where they're now talking about getting rid of it altogether. I mean, they shuffled it around, try to put it at different parts of the season and before the super bowl during that two week period of time or after and all this stuff. And just, there's no interest anymore. Um, And so that kind of fizzled out. And then if you look at the NBA all-star activities, I mean, they're kind of a a joke in my opinion, I guess I'll just be nice and say, call it that. Um, but No one really takes it seriously, Um, but it's more of just like a showcase, almost like watching the Harlem Harlem Globetrotters with the best players that's out there or something like that. So, I mean, the Major League Baseball's all-star game, to me, has been kind of special and and in a similar way where the Baseball Hall of Fame is more of a big deal than any other sports hall of fames as well. However, I'm a little bit worried that with the – I don't know if it's because of the internet or just the access to more uh, of being able to watch players from star players from other teams or whatnot, but what are your guys thoughts on the future of the all-star game Um, and, and what uh, major baseball can keep theirs as a special um, special that that keeps young more, not only young, young kids interested in it, but even brings on, future baseball players just by, by being able to showcase their, their sport during the all-star I mean, I'll just chime in quick and say, I think that they are
0: doing that. I mean, I think that the way that MLB does the all-star game is great. I love the fact that they added the draft coverage to all-star week festivities. I think that that adds another element of interest in the week itself and more publicity and media. And certainly, um, and I, I think that it's tough to compete with the NFL uh, and even the NBA to a degree on draft coverage simply because the guys that are drafted from college are going to appear in the pros the next season with those teams and baseball. You've obviously got uh, at least a several year trek through the minor league typically, but um, I do think that MLB has taken some strides in the right direction that way. Um, I like the fact that it's broken up over several days. I think that that's really cool about the way that MLB does all-star game coverage. So, you know, tonight, for instance, we did watch the the home run derby, and tomorrow we'll certainly watch the game, and uh, was paying very close attention to draft coverage uh, last night. So it's it's pretty cool that um, I think that there's something baseball related on the national stage, talked about by national media in the same city with everybody around baseball there for several days at a time, and you don't really see that, you know, with the basketball All Star game, for instance. Um, so I, I I think that. You know I, I was in favor of having the winner of and I, I know a lot of people disagree with me but I, I did like back uh, you know five or six years ago when the winner of the all-star game that league would host or have home field advantage in the World Series um, I thought that that just added kind of another element to it but um, you know even the way that it's set up I, I'm pretty happy with the whole thing to be to be totally honest and um, certainly I'll continue to watch I'm, I'm been a fan for a long time Craig just like you said it's been a, a special day I always mark it off on the calendar um for sure so no very very excited to, to watch tomorrow as well
2: yeah I don't know for me um it's always been fun to watch the all-star game in fact growing up like it was the all-star game was like for me anyway in my house it was it was like a tradition like we usually like yeah at least I'd have at least like a a friend or two over and um you know we'd all watch the game obviously like and I remember never missing it and I feel like now um I don't know it seems like sometimes life kind of gets in the way a little bit and I up missing some um I haven't watched it nearly as often as I did growing up but um is is that the plan now just real quick to like um host the draft in the same city as the all-star game like
0: yeah, and kind yeah, of that's just cool. link
2: them together. For, yeah, yeah. I, I do really like that. Um, and this this would very much be controversial, but if you think about it, it's only going to move it up ten or eleven days. What if we had the All Star Game on the Fourth of July of every year? I think that would be really cool. I think it ties like, is there any sport that, like that you think of when you think of America more than baseball? Like so.
0: I, I think that would yeah,
2: be really, I,
0: really cool. I like that conceptually, Scott. The only thing is, is that a lot of people are like on vacation or out of town, you know, traveling to a cabin or something. But I guess you could watch it from wherever. I mean, it could just be part of your your night. Um, that that would be kind of interesting, or maybe at least the same weekend or something. But yeah, uh, interesting, interesting thought because they do kind of go hand in hand for me. This is this is right now. Well. I didn't plan to get COVID during this stretch of time, but typically the, uh, the, the stretch between the 4th of July and the all-star game, it's a couple of my favorite weeks of the year, to be honest, it's, you know, the height of summer, you've got baseball, you've got, um, America's birthday. It's just like, you know, road trips and the celebrations and all that stuff. And, um, I, I'm, I'm with you. Like as a kid, we used to host, a, you know, typically we had an all-star party at, at my house and, um, you know, certainly it helped to have a dad who loves baseball who didn't have to work that day because um, you know it, it, the Brewers were off, so it was it was a lot of fun because we got a, we always sat down and watched the All Star game. It's one of the few games that um, we really would circle every year in advance to make sure that we were all together and you know grill out or order pizza or something, and it was it was just a lot of fun. So I don't know what other traditions we could do, but um, and I don't know, I, Fourth of July is an interesting one. I don't I don't have an answer on that yet.
2: No, I also just realized, <laughs> this is ridiculous, but um, when you think of 4th of July, you think of the hot dog eating contest. So you have like big pharma and you have big oil, <laughs> but really big hot dogs <laughs> is, is kind of the issue because they're not going to want anybody to like hone in on 4th like, of July like because that's the hot dog eating contest. So what we're going to have to do to appease them is we're going to actually have to have like the hot dog eating contest immediately before the like one of the marquee games or whatever. Um, well,
0: just do it like the home run derby with you know who can win from the American International Leagues.
2: Yeah, yeah, that'd be yeah. great. You could have different contestants representing different areas. Absolutely. So, I, I
0: feel like Big Poppy could have won a hot dog eating contest just as
1: easily as he won a home run derby
0: for what it's worth.
1: Absolutely. And of course we all know the, the meat, uh, Dimitri young, the meat hook <laughs> inadvertently <laughs> <out a> cheesecake <laughs> eating competition. That's that's now, now, uh, percolated through decades of major league baseball players. <laughs> so I'm sure they could step David up. Weathers and Ray King.
0: Marcus Hanel, uh talked to our safer group about the Philly cheesesteak eating competition that the teams would have in Philadelphia. And, um, Yeah, I'm sure that there are a number of guys on the all-star team that could sign up and participate in the hot dog eating contest per Scott's request. Absolutely.
1: So, no, just getting – but moving a couple weeks, I agree with Vince's point that, like, I think I wouldn't necessarily want that close to the fourth just because of the whole, you know, getting in in the way of other celebrations and stuff like that. But um, having it, like, maybe a week or so earlier than it is, it almost seems like it would be more to the actual cutoff or halfway point of the Major League Baseball season, because it always seems to, to actually happen a little bit past the halfway point of the, of the season as well. Um, with that being said, it's interesting how the Major League Baseball is trying to, to by moving the draft, well, first of all, so I think that their all-star game and festivities is uh, a few notches above these other major sports. However, their draft, because of the, the same points Vince just made, because of not, you know, these drafted players are not going to be seen the next year at the Major League Baseball level. It's going to be a number <laughs> of years, and fans have no patience for stuff like that, or at least not casual ones. Obviously, as uh, hardcore fans and all of our listeners do. But um, with, that, with that being said, I, I think that, the, that this move kind of signals that they want to heighten the popularity of their draft and their drafting process while also not losing the popularity of the all-star game itself and keeping that strong. And I do think it's important uh, that the marquee players, like I know Mark, Mike, Trout's missing it this year because of injury or whatever. And so he's got a replacement, but unfortunately, I mean, you're looking at the the two brewers that made the all-star break and, and you're looking at the uh, Corbin Burns and Josh Hader, best starting pitcher pitcher, best closer in baseball. I might be a little biased there, but, uh, neither of them are actually going to play in the game um, this week. So again, it's one of those things where if I was a eight year old Brewer fan, I would be very disappointed in those in those, uh, the, those actual decisions. It, so
0: it, it should be pointed out, uh, Craig, really quick that and I don't think we said congratulations yet, but Devin Williams did actually get added to the All Star team. So yeah. it's exciting for the Brewers that. We at least did get another member of the of the team added to the roster, a, la- a last minute addition, but still an addition. So happy for Devin and his first um, All Star appearance. And congrats to, to Devin. I'm sure he's listening um, tonight. But yeah, so that 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 was good. And I, yeah, I think that there's probably you know a, a few things that you could do to market um, the All Star game a little bit. And one thing that we did not talk about yet that I just wanted to bring up quick is that part of the new collective bargaining agreement that was agreed to in March of this season um, is that there is a legacy addition to the all-star roster, which I think is a cool idea. Uh, I'm all for it. So you talked about Mike Trout, who's obviously not of the category yet to be a legacy um, pick just because he's still so good, but um, each team can pick a legacy member. And this year in the national league, of course, it's Albert Pujols and, um, and the American League, it's Miguel Cabrera, who get picked not because their numbers here in 22 uh, are that great, but because of their you know, overall contributions to baseball over the course of their careers. So I, I think that that's kind of cool. And I think that that kind of ensures that MLB can market the game a certain way. So I, I'm all for stuff like that. I know some people might think it's undeserved or a little gimmicky. But, you know, I think in the cases of Cabrera and, and Pujols, when you put in 20 plus years, um, at the level that those two guys have played uh, over the course of, course of their MLB careers, I think it's very fitting and, and pretty cool, and it's going to have people tuning in that maybe wouldn't have to see them uh, out there for you know one one final All-Star game here this season.
1: No, that's a great point, point. And, and I was all for that too. I, I didn't necessarily like that they picked roles. but obviously the um, it's a, it's a unique. <laughs> yeah, add, it's no coincidence they decided to add that in this year. Uh, because obviously you're talking about Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera both probably being in their last year, uh, as yeah, uh, in the MLB, and and you're really talking about those are two. Uh, what's I don't even know what the step up from a generational player is, but th- these are those two guys could easily be top 30 MLB player of all time on that list. Well, yeah,
0: and they're they're, they're definitely first ballot Hall of Famers, you know, I think that we're going to see that with a guy like verlander in a couple of years you know you're you're you we know the guys that are kind of at that level um and i certainly think that those two guys do it but you know 10 years from now that might be mike trout that we're talking about you just
1: you know, yeah, and he, he and I, I just hope that they don't water it down. I think that I hope they only pick him on years that it's like deserve that there's a deserving candidate. Cause I, I could see some seasons just not having like a legacy candidate. Like, I don't want them to make like big reaches or something like that. Like,
0: no, neither, neither, neither do I, but let's put it this way, you know, and I I'm probably his biggest fan. That's a non Orioles fan that could exist, but like at the end of his career, see, I think this opens up some opportunities at the end of his career, a guy like Cal Ripien jr was being voted into the all-star game because fans knew that that was the way that he was going to get selected, even though his numbers were not quite frankly that good compared to other third basemen at the time in the American league. And, you know, it was kind of a respect thing with Ripken. I, I think that putting a guy like that in a spot like that on that roster would have then opened up, you know, the starter, for instance, to be somebody who probably deserved it a little bit more, but still, Let a guy like Ripken be a part of the festivities. That's probably a bad example because Ripken actually had a home home run his last All Star game. But, um, you know, that's just kind of one example that comes to mind quickly. I I think Derek Jeter is probably another one. You know, someone that we know that they're going to be a Hall of Famer, but they may be in their last year of their career, there are probably a lot of other guys more deserving at the position that could have actually made a bigger impact on the game itself uh, in the All Star game.
1: Yeah, uh, no, I I totally love like hope, I'm sure they can find guys each year, and, and if some I just hope that if some years there aren't any that they can like skip the pick or something, like that. but who knows how they'll handle it. I guess and I mean every year there's probably you know borderline Hall of Famer guys retiring or whatever, so I'm sure I'm sure they'll be able to work it out. Uh, but it's like one of those things where like the one year there might be two guys really deserving a, a, out of one league, and the other league doesn't have any. So I just hope that they are, are a little flexible with that rule. But apparently they've given. Uh, the commissioner of baseball flexibility with all these crazy rules, And I guess they will make it up on the fly going forward. Um, so, so. <laughs> yeah, hard,
0: hard for planning purposes, but you know, maybe that, that, that is good, you know, to have that type of flexibility in that jurisdiction, because you're right. There's, there's going to be years where you're definitely not going to have somebody that rises to Miguel Cabrera's status, you know, for sure. And um, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how it works out, but I'll just say, I, I think it's a good, tool for for
1: the commissioner's office or mlb to kind of have in their back pocket overall I'm, I'm all for it oh absolutely yeah i can agree more and then yeah so so i i do think that by moving the draft that it, it is going to be helpful for a lot of reasons uh but i think it will really shine that spotlight spotlight i mean the the major League baseball has been trying to focus by televising their draft and whatnot in the last 10 years more so like the other sports however it's always been on like a Sunday night or Monday or whatever in the beginning of June. And uh, not everyone has been really paying attention to baseball at that particular time necessarily. So I think that to kind of highlight it during this, I, I do like that it like almost immediately follows the end of the futures game too. I think that's pretty cool. So, I mean, it's kind of well, kind like own prospect. Yeah. Type, so to speak.
0: Yeah. And, and one thing just really quick is that, you know, yeah, a lot of fans aren't necessarily paying attention, but it's not that they're not paying attention to baseball in previous years at all. I'll include myself in this grouping, like, you know, I'm in the middle of June, I'm paying attention to what the Brewers are doing, I guess, that I'm not as totally focused on our drafts, for instance, but I like the fact that the draft is taking place over the course of a couple of days where there are no other Brewer games. So, you know, I think that that's kind of cool. It happened on Sunday, I guess, after a Brewer game, but, but there were no games to look forward to for the Brewers now for four days. Um, you know, this week, which is a rarity, obviously, from opening day until, well, you hope the World Series, but for sure, October 1st, there's pretty much baseball every single day, except for the couple days around the All-Star break, so I think that this is kind of a cool way that, you know, for, for a lot of us who are kind of focused on the big league team that, um, you know, we get, we get invested in, you know, the, the series that the Brewers are currently in, but maybe don't necessarily take the time to, to look at the draft as much as we should because of that. I think it's kind of cool because you can separate, you know, what the brewers are doing for a couple of days to to look at things like the futures game and the draft and the home run derby and the all star game. So I, I think it's I think it's great.
1: Yeah, okay. I
0: think
2: there's even more opportunity. It's gonna be even even better as it goes along. But just picture like like the brewer all stars meeting the brewer futures, meeting the recent brewer like draft pick you know with you know the front office and you know just have everybody get together and you know hang out a little bit and take a little photo op and i I think stuff like that would be really really cool like just looking back just picturing like oh okay like in this case all right let's see here's corbin burns and josh here like oh and like let's see like this could be potentially the next brewer all-star like i i think that's kind of cool to see those sort yeah. of different groups they to get together like that. And uh, I don't know, I, I like the way that it's, that they kind of, you know, uh, tie these two together and yeah. still thing can be really cool on the fourth line. I know that cool. <laughs> we'll
0: I yes, I, I hear that. And you know, one of thing we didn't even mention really quick is the fan fast too, which is, you know, it goes on all week. I went to it in 2018 when the all-star game was in Washington and I was living there at the time. And, you know, it was great. I, I was describing it to Lena at night. It's like, All-Star Week is one big party for people who love baseball. It's a baseball party. It's a celebration of baseball, and I love it. You know, I think that that's kind of the biggest draw for me is that, you know, all week you've got, as you just alluded to, Scott, you've got the, the past, the present, and the future kind of all in one place for a celebration of baseball. I mean, what could be better? So I, I think it's pretty pretty awesome. And would you guys believe that it's been 20 years since the game was held at Miller
1: Park? I was literally just going to say that. Yeah, you, um, that it's, it's just blows, blows my mind. Yeah, It's wild. Running kind of long, but just out of curiosity, did did both of you guys attend that All-Star game? Yeah, I was at the Home Run Derby and the All-Star game itself. Yeah, uh, me
2: too. Yep. I was unable to attend.
0: Is that when you were skipping out of work uh, and hiding from Glenn Carrillo? That
2: one of the oh, yeah, of the I think I was. Yeah, I think that was one of the years I think I had to go to summer school or something. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, oh, man. Yeah, I was definitely there, Craig. Yeah, it, was, it, was a, it was a blast. I, yeah, had a, had a really good time. Also, went to All Star Fan Fest that year and got to see Coolio in the celebrity softball game. <laughs> quite a week. Wow. It's <laughs> not every week that you can see Coolio see, see uh, Tory Hunter, Rob Berry Bonds, and get a chance to meet Don Larson
1: uh, at, at FanFest. So, yeah, quit, quit a week. Oh, yeah, that's right. I was at that event, too. And the Futures game. The Futures game at Miller Park, I think I've already mentioned this. I remember Miguel Cabrera was one of the actual players at the Futures game at Miller Park. And I remember, I remember thinking at the time, this guy's going to be amazing. So... 20 years later, like legacy all-star, whatever that is, and, and wrapping up an unbelievable major league baseball career. Isn't
0: that, isn't that funny? That, that was, yeah, that was quite a game obviously because it ended in a tie, which was notorious in and of itself. My best memory of that week was meeting Buck O'Neill. He was at FanFest that year in Milwaukee and got a chance to have him autograph something. And he was such a, you know, beloved, beloved uh, symbol of baseball and, um, So that was really cool. We got a chance to shake his hand and get an autograph and enjoyed that quite a bit. And uh, I was there with my brother and sister and he looked at my brother and my brother and sister were behind me and he told my brother to take care of that little lady, meaning my sister. So that is still a moment of um, humor in our family that, you know, he thought that my brother and sister were like an item or something. So we were, we still laughed (laughs) at Buck O'Neill calling calling out my brother like that.
1: (laughs)
2: Wow. (laughs) <laughs>
1: cool. so all right well brewer fans uh hopefully you've enjoyed our podcast and hopefully you've enjoyed all the the, yep. the the draft and all the all-star festivities and hopefully you're gonna enjoy the awesome i i also as a baseball fan love the couple weeks leading up to the trade deadline too i mean even if it's not for the brewers activity just to see all the, uh, the 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 movement of the other players and the trades and to analyze them and whatever like it's just nothing like i i think it's just the greatest trading deadline of any other sport by far, uh, as well. And, and and that's one of my favorite times of year as well. So looking forward to the next for couple sure. of weeks also. And also, of course, this is an awesome time of year weather-wise for most of the country as well. So, all right. So, all right. Well, thanks for your time again tonight and, and fans for tuning in. So, um, remember stay classy West. I Al- hope
2: this was a five star, uh- Broadcast and send sent out. Really hope so, guys. Yeah. We've gotten a few more five stars lately. Thank you. Yeah, and thank you. And remember, if you, if you if you didn't find this completely boring, if you loved it as much as we did, then please tell your friends. We could certainly yep. use them.
0: And remember to send your questions to Scott God. at Brew Crew Review Podcasts with an S at gmail.com Scotty and your and his interns will get to your questions
1: one of these episodes. And uh, yeah. Sounds great, guys. Go Brewers. All right. stay class and go Brewers. Go Brewers. Go Brewers. Do, 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 do.